for the love of God, my password manager will not load. Our recording product we normally use will not record. Just having a day, Heaton. Just having a day. Don't get me started. Welcome to Tradeoffs, where Neera's Heaton Shaw and ProfitWell's Patrick Campbell discuss tech through a product-first mindset to inspire you to think differently. This week, they talk about reliability. This experience stuff has been degrading over a few months. Like, I've seen this off and on, and it just keeps getting worse, and it blows my mind. Events. This is where I think most people fail with events, is that they don't stop before they even start executing and figure out, okay, what are the things that are going to bring people in? And more. So swag, make sure people want to wear your swag. It is more important they want to wear it than it perfectly accentuates your brand. So this is the third attempt at starting the freaking podcast. We're having some reliability issues with the tool that we normally use. I don't want to blow them up because I like them. We're just having reliability issues all over the place. My password manager is not loading all day today. You had an interesting tweet this week. Might've been today, but it was this week, like talking about reliability. And that one has like a fun ending, I think. Not like a good ending quite yet, but a fun ending. But go ahead, man. It was actually today, the day we're recording. I'm a power user of MailChimp. So I know how to use pretty much every feature they have. And there's this one feature, which is the most common feature everyone uses, which is to edit the email, write the email. I try to get in there because what they do is they first tell you to put like, you know, what email are you going to send from? What list are you going to send to? What's the subject? And then they have you edit and go into the editor. So I hit edit. I did that last week and I had the same problem. I did it this week. I had the same problem. And this loader shows up. First, like there's three screens that happen. Like one screen and some loader, another screen and some loader, and then the actual edit screen and the big loader. And then I'm like waiting and I'm like, okay, this is the internet. This is software. I build software too. It should load in like a millisecond, like for real. Like there's no reason it shouldn't. It doesn't load. So then I reload. Same thing. Doesn't load. Okay. Open in a new tab. Same thing. Spinner. Okay. Reload again. Okay. Spinner. Okay. Reload again. Spinner. Okay. Go back. Like close the thing. Hit continue. Go back. Hit edit again. Loader shows up. It loads. Amazing. Oh, Oh, thank God. Okay. It loaded. Okay. Type my thing, whatever. I'm done. I need to close it. I'm scared because I'm going to have to edit it again because I need to go send it to someone and then have them read it. And in case I need to edit it, I got to go back in the editor. I close it, go back later when I need to edit it. Same issue, loader. And also those double screens show up too. This experience stuff has been degrading over a few months. Like I've seen this off and on and it just keeps getting worse and it blows my mind that this is the state of software. Why does this happen? The product in question and the products that we're dealing with, they're scaling really well. So they're really wildly. So they have tons of users and such. But like, is this endemic of a lack of care? Where do you think this comes from? If the product managers use the product, Mm, interesting, they would not feel this way. or It would not be this way, right? Like, I'm sorry, they meaning the customer would not feel this way. And again, I don't want to assume they're not, but that is one reason why this happens. I know all the reasons why this happens. We build software. I'm sure you know a bunch of them. One is the people that build the product don't use the product. That's a fundamental problem. That doesn't even mean you need to be the user. That just means you need to log into the thing and just check it out. You need to be running it for your own company. It's very basic. And so I'm sure MailChimp has marketers. I'm sure MailChimp has people that use MailChimp. So all the PMs have to do is go talk to them. Now I'm debating if MailChimp even has that because Crazy. that means nobody uses the product at the company. I don't know. But these are the all the implications going through my head when you ask that. So after that, 
I went ahead and just shot Ben Chestnut, the CEO, a set of DMs. And he was generous enough to fly me out to Atlanta because there was a conference that he was involved in that they were holding and wanted me to speak. I've known MailChimp forever. So I was able to like meet with him when he was at a conference yeah. here and we, we chatted it up and like we got along. And then he's like, hey, come by. I want to show you around and all this was many years ago when it was much smaller. I have fond memories of my experience. He toured me around the whole office, took me out to lunch, just showed me around Atlanta and the tech scene there. And it's still one of the most memorable experiences I've had getting to know a founder and a company, right? And I hadn't said congrats to him on the acquisition. So I was like, hey, congrats on everything. And then I just basically told him, hey, for weeks, MailChimp has had issues and it simply doesn't load. And this is in particular the email editor. And I said that because the email editor is the highlight of the product. In it's my the core. Opinion. Right, exactly. And I, and I tweeted it. And then I just said, I didn't want to bother you, but I just can't stand it anymore. And as far as I remember, you actually give a about this type of stuff. Smiley face. Because look, if the founder doesn't, then I wouldn't bother them. But I know this person and I know he cares. Like their product is amazing. It's still the best product in the market. Come at me. Like I will prove it to anybody that tries to like say otherwise. I've tried all of them too at this point because I'm frustrated with the whole category, right? And then after my little rant, he's like, I'll pass this on because I do in fact give a Thanks. That's it. Interesting. Whatever happens next, it doesn't matter. But if my experiences gets better, I'll be happy that not just my experience got better, but hopefully other people's did too because of my complaining on Twitter publicly, right? And and DMing him because as I mentioned, I think he does care as far as what my experience with him has been. So that's my story. And now I feel like I need to tweet every day about a product that has an experience that is failing customers so that hopefully someone pays attention and fixes it. I simply want it fixed. I'm not a complainer. I don't like complaining about things, but I have no choice if I'm trying to use a product and it sucks. Doesn't work, yeah. Yeah, and it's fundamental stuff. It'd be different if I'm nitpicking, oh, this button I don't like or this thing. No, the thing doesn't load. And there's this other product when I was evaluating a bunch of email products that I tweeted about because I wanted to know if anyone had any good ones. And there's another one that like, literally I sign up for the first time, it did the same thing. It wouldn't load. That's why. <laughs> this is blowing my mind. I build software. Like I would be raging at the product and engineering team in my companies if, if this happened even once, right? And I've done that when I use the product. I'm like, hey, folks, this is not acceptable. What's kind of weird too is like freemium and MailChimp's got a good freemium base. Like what really helped us is in the freemium state is we had a couple of companies that they went to our paid competitors. Our paid competitors just turned them away because they were just like, you're too big. And we use it as like a challenge. We're like, we'll take you. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll figure it out. Right. And like, normally when that happens, like there's trickle down effect. I can't imagine there being an issue with ProfitWell on a reliability basis and us not knowing about it, but also us not like having a plan. Like sometimes it's, it's like, this is an enormous company. They're not paying us. And this one screen won't load or just takes too long to load. We'll put it on the back burner, but it's never something that like, doesn't happen within, we'll say a reasonable amount of time because those changes will help everyone else, which is kind of insane. But I think the usage is the big thing to take away from this, at least in my mind. I know my expectations are set at the right place. And I know that if it doesn't work for me, it's likely it's not working for other people too. Other people. And I'm at a loss for words on why almost every software I use is like this. I don't think we should get caught up in this topic because I think you and I could talk about this for many, many, many hours. And we haven't even touched on Salesforce. I'm going to leave it at that. Oh, Salesforce. So today, what I'm excited to talk to you about has nothing to do with that, which is awesome. And it has to do with marketing. And it actually has to do with someone brought up in one of my calls today, 
because, you know, at Nira, we're just getting more and more ramped up on marketing efforts. I'm supposed to be running marketing now, and I am, because I just need to Welcome. do that at the moment. We were talking in a team meeting, and he's like, hey, have you thought about events? Nice. And I'm like, I think a lot has changed for events. And then immediately I said, I have friends. When we're ready for that, I will ask my friend what the heck they do for events. So ironically, when we were chatting before this and trying to figure out what we should talk about, because today we wanted to pick one meaty topic uh, to jam on, uh, you brought this up because you just went through this experience of events and, and marketing at them and getting leads from them. And honestly, every time I talk to you about this topic, like I learned something new and it makes me even more motivated to do events and get massive ROI from them. And you found some super creative ways over the years to do that. You have expertise in a lot of areas and you like a lot of areas, but this one area is one where like, I think you have more expertise than anyone I know. So yeah. let's talk Which about- Which is really sad. <laughs> Tell me more. No, I was just going to say like, so we had Saster last week. Now to be clear, like if we were in a different industry, we would be like the average basic fools doing events, like at the level we're doing them. But for some reason in this space, like we are like God's gift to events. And I say that sarcastically. I remember we had Saster and then we had this event called Sub Summit, which is kind of like a Saster for subscription commerce. So box of the month, a lot of folks. And what was really kind of fascinating is I remember looking around and being like, are we just geniuses? Like, are we geniuses that like people aren't doing these basic things? Like, do they not care? And, and this kind of reminds me of the reliability thing we were just talking about, because I think it comes down to a lot of people just don't put the effort into thinking through them because they're like, well, we got to be there and like, let's spend some money and like, let's not, you know, let's get some collateral and some t-shirts and like go from there. And what we do is we look at it as like a very specific marketing exercise or growth exercise more more so. And so let me kind of explain. So to give you some context here, there were a couple hundred booths, I, I think at Saster. I might be over on that, but there are at least a hundred booths, if not more. I always walk around every single day, multiple times a day. I always walk around the whole thing to see what people are doing. And most of the time, the majority of the booths, the people are inside their booth, meaning they're not outside, like bringing people in. They're inside the booth. They have maybe some branding on the walls. They have some collateral and then they have maybe some swag. And sometimes the swag is unique. So that's like level one. And that's like very bad in my opinion, like, cause you're just wasting the spot. It's kind of like expecting people to like find your website without like doing anything to bring them into your website. Right. And also having no organic reach. Right. You know, cause sometimes that brings people in level two is I think like the corporate style where it's like, you have someone who's like a proper event person you have a unique booth that you probably paid a lot more for because it has more surface area or it's in the way. Um, and that's what gets people to go there. So you have a really well done booth and really like maybe unique swag, right? Like, hey, we're going to do coffee or we're going to have beers at, at night or we're going to have this thing that like, oh, I see everyone walking around. But normally like the swag is like really cheap. Like people don't care about it, if that makes sense. And then I think when done really well, this is the bare minimum in my mind. And you don't need to necessarily spend the money, but then it's it's one of those things where these people did really well, in my opinion. So Sales Loft, I thought, did really well at Saster. Vanta did very well at Saster. And both of them had a reason for me to come to the booth that wasn't necessarily related to their product. They had really good swag, like very good, like quality swag, which means like even if it's a t-shirt, it's well-designed, they put some thought into it. And then also like it was a nice material, that type of thing. And they also had their salespeople mostly outside the booth, meaning like they weren't in the booth. They were like outside the booth, bringing people in, but most like, well, really like 40% of the time they, they were just like in their booths. 
here's what we've done. We've done enough conferences to be like, we know we're good without spending a bunch of money. Because I think if you can spend 150 grand on your booth, plus the 150 grand on the sponsorship, you'll be a spectacle enough to bring people in. But we don't want to spend that much. Like I remember Saster last time it was in person. Crap. What was it? Envision? I can't remember. It was a very large company. They had this like clearly $100,000 mobile booth that goes to all of the events they've gone to. And it was like a spectacle and it was really well designed. And they, they spent a lot of money on it clearly. And like it's big and it was huge. And so obviously people come up and see it. Teamwork.com at Sastock in Europe, their booth had a slide, you know, so it was like people want to go on the slide and like stuff like that. So it's interesting, but you know, it was a thirty, forty thousand dollar physical booth that they had to spend money on. So anyways, so here's how we do it. I think we get the best ROI of anyone at events. So the first thing is before we even think of like what we're going to do or execution plan, we basically come up with what is the growth plan that's going to drive people to the booth. And we have to come up with like 10 to 20 ideas given the uniqueness or the, you know, idiosyncrasies of that event. So for example, like we have this playbook where we give out these keys. Um, so we have our salespeople hand them out or like some conferences, they'll have a bag that everyone gets. So we put them in there and it basically says like, Hey, come to the profitable booth and see if you've won like very basic. And it's very like nice placard. It's like really well done. It's got like a nice ribbon on the key and everything. We have a key guy, which is always fun. And then there's this really nice, like, um, standing, you know, lucite, you know, kind of thing where they try the key and basically they try the key and like, most people don't get it. There's only like five people who win and we don't tell people what the prize is. Like we don't tell them what the prize is. We say, well, it's between a trip for two and a Tesla somewhere between there. And we don't tell them anything other than that. And the reason is, is because everyone wants to win something. And then there's the allure of what is it? If it's a drone and I know it's a drone, I'm probably not going to do it because like I have a drone and I'm like, eh, not that interesting. So we try to come up with as many of those types of ideas as possible. And sometimes it's food, sometimes it's coffee, sometimes it's these types of things, but basically things that are going to cause lines at your booth so that your sales team can pick those people off and then basically bring them in for like some sort of a demo. This is where I think most people fail with events is that they don't stop before they even start executing and figure out, okay, what are the things that are going to bring people in? So that's the first premise. And then before our event person even executes, I'm involved, our recur, our guy who reads our content is involved, our head of events is involved, everyone's involved. We even get some other people we get feedback from, but we, we nail that growth plan. And then there's other things we think through, like I'll give you a couple of other ones. So one thing we do is if it's a multi-day event, we have different t-shirts for every day and our t-shirts are like well-designed. So this is a t-shirt like you don't know this is a profitable t-shirt, but it's our glyph black on black, right? So people are like, oh, I'm willing to wear that because it's not like I'm advertising someone's name on the front of my chest. And so every single day we say, hey, here's a t-shirt. If you wear this tomorrow, we'll give you a bonus exclusive piece of swag. So they come back to the booth, they get a bonus piece of swag, might be a pair of socks, could be these playing cards we did. And then they get another t-shirt and we say, hey, if you wear it tomorrow, you get something else. And then they come back and they get a hat or like something like that. So all of a sudden we have, and I think we counted 50 to 100 people walking around with our t-shirt and they're unique enough where people go, what's that brand? That's a cool shirt, right? Oh, I really like that shirt, right? Oh, it's profitable, right? You can actually go over there. And then they come over and they're like, oh, do you have that shirt? We're like, no, sorry. It was only for yesterday, but we have this one, right? And they're like, oh, that's cool too. And like, then we kind of play that game, right? And so there's like 10 to 20 of these. We normally find the ones that work and then like we replay those in the future ones. And then for each new event, we add like three or four new experiments. 
And then like, we see what happens, right? And we kind of go from there. And so that's the first part and I'll pause there, but I got a lot of other fun stuff. You, you put a quarter in me and I'm going, but like it's giving a crap about what the ROI is. And location is a huge thing. I don't think people sweat location enough. They gave us the map. We debated what the best location of where our booth is for like three days, like not three days fully, Understood. but we were like, yeah. we know some of these conferences are a little more flaky, meaning like they'll change stuff very last minute. We were like, okay, well that spot's really good if they don't change this. But when we did the site visit, which might've been Google earth, like it might not even have, we have been there, but when we did the site visit. We know that there's like something here. So like, there's a risk that they change this. And if they do, this spot's actually going to be better. So maybe we hedge with this particular spot. Right. And there's a little bit of luck in like site selection, but like, it's one of those things where again, you're bringing people in and the whole goal is to get people to the booth and they're not just going to walk past it. You got to bring them in. And then you have discipline with your sales team where, Hey, anyone who walks past, like we have a phrase where it's like, get out of the box, get out of the boxes, the outer ring of our booth, get the F out of there. Unless you are giving demos. Cause you have all these people walk past and they kind of like eye your booth. They like smile at you. It's your job to say something. It's your job to go, Oh, Hey, like, you know, what are you up to today? Oh, did you want some sweat? Like it's your job to bring that people in. And then you have this system where you're like grabbing someone, almost qualifying them, handing them off to someone doing demos, grabbing the next person and so on and so forth. Right. It's systematic. The goal is basically bring them in almost inbound by having something that makes them want to come to your booth. That isn't about your business or your product, but it's something about their experience at the conference. Because that's what I'm hearing, right? The shirt is an experience, coffee, whatever it is that you're willing to give them is an experience. The giveaway is an experience. And it's not an experience where we're giving away X. It's like it's something between this and this. So then there's even more mystery. It's not like some drone or something like that, like you said, that everyone gives away. So or it could be a drone, but they don't know. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, know, yeah, but the you know? key yeah. is that there's a major amount of differentiation between you and anybody else that's trying to pull people in because you've thought through the exact psychology of what gets people to the booth. And then once they're at the booth, you have their attention. Because if they're in that whole hall, their whole job is to walk around. Their whole job is to do nothing but walk around, right? And a lot of times what I've found, just when you think about experience, is people are walking around with a buddy. That buddy isn't always at the same company. I've seen that a lot because they're there to meet people who they miss or meet new people who they haven't met before, or you know, they're conference buddies. They always meet at that same exact conference, right? I love this because you're actually thinking through the experience that the attendee has and trying to figure out how you can kind of fit in line with it to get what you want, which is show them your product and then eventually make them be a qualified lead because they've seen your product. And you know, if they need it, all good. I love it. That's great. It's inbound. That's all it is. It's inbound. And it's like, you want the lines forming, you want the people because then all of a sudden there's some momentum of like, what's over there, right? And also people feel more comfortable because they're like, well, I can hide in this group, right? And then it's having really good salespeople or at least well-trained folks where all of a sudden it's like, I went and got coffee from all these booths, multiples of these booths, multiple days. No one talked to me about the product. No one mentioned the product. It was always like a third-party vendor serving the coffee or serving whatever. And it's like, hey, get me to go, oh, cool. Like, thanks for the coffee. Like, what do you guys do? Like, just get me to answer that up. And there's different ways to do it. One of the other experiments I thought was really interesting is because it's not just about bringing people in, but it's, it's, it's a little bit of like a WTF, a little bit of like, what is this thing? Like, you want people asking those types of questions. 
And some people, what they do, like some of the booths, they had a loud music and a guy in like a unicorn outfit, like dancing the entire time. Again, awareness, but I think there's different types of awareness. I want allure. I don't want complete WTF, right? I want people to be like, what is going on over here? And I felt with loud music and a guy dancing in a unicorn costume, I like laugh and I look at it. I couldn't tell you the brand and I didn't want to go over there because I was like, this is loud and like, it makes me uncomfortable, right? And then you have some people who do some interesting stuff. So Brex, what they did is they had basically a magician, which is kind of like an old school corporate event thing. And it wasn't bad though. But what he did is he would like hop up on a little like a uh, stool kind of thing and be kind of like step right up kind of a thing, which I thought was good. And then he would hand out dollars, right? And his whole tricks involved like the dollar and it all had this like story with Brex. And so I was like, that's pretty gangster. I really like that because, oh yeah, I'm going to grab this dollar. Now I know the value proposition and you've done it in a way that's not like scammy or not like selly, right? So what we did with our WTF was not only the keys because people saw this like pedestal with this like locked box and all this other stuff, but we also had an art piece. So we built this art piece and it's super simple. It's just basically a, a large kind of column that's filled with shredded money. And so we had this out there on this other part of the grounds. And literally it was like, hey, do you guys want to guess how much money is in here? Or, hey, you guys want to know why we have this big thing of shredded money? And all of a sudden it was like, what's going on? And then it like naturally led to a conversation. And the other thing we had is this other, I have a branded van now and we can get into the roadshow thing um, if it's interesting, but like this branded van was also on the grounds and that's where we were recording podcasts. Let's save the branded van because most people are not going to have a branded van like you. <laughs> but we'll save that for another one because obviously I'm dying to know about your van life. So. Yeah, yeah. The thesis is around like why in person is so powerful. We can save that for another time. But yeah, I like it. Long story short, like I think people they don't look at events seriously enough, and like we have an advantage where our, our prices are in a place where like it's easier for us to take some of these risks because it's like oh, we sell this many deals and it's not a high number, like we know. And then, you know, so that's the type of thing that works really well. But yeah, long story short, if I had to summarize, it's about standing out, bringing people to the booth properly, and then mad discipline on making sure that like people are having conversations once you brought those people in. I can go Makes through some other sense. hacks that we did, I think might be interesting for people. I have no problem sharing these because I know we've been doing them for years, some of these, and no one copies them. And we're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some low-hanging fruit before we get done. Like any tips or tricks if someone is starting from zero? That, that's actually my biggest question because I'm starting from zero. So swag, make sure people want to wear your swag. It is more important they want to wear it than it perfectly accentuates your brand. Love it. The very least, you can put your logo or your name on the back of the neck. So that's a spot where you can put it or kind of like down on the, the hip. So we have this glyph, right? So like got invited to a dinner one of the nights and there's two people wearing this and I didn't know them. Amazing. They didn't know the brand. And I was like, oh, that's a cool shirt. You know, that kind of thing. And they were like, oh yeah, it was just like company I met. And like they basically give me a soft pitch of what we already did, right? So make the swag like willing that someone's going to wear it. Now for your audience, that might be very different. Like one of the things we did early on was like cloud rules, everything around me, like, you know, that, that type of shirt. I love that shirt. I still have one of them. Big fan. I still wear You've it. Worn it's it freaking great. Yeah. yeah. And absolutely. so 100%. it's one of those things where like that shirt, we didn't put our name anywhere on the shirt. So it was a little weird, but then we have other shirts that are like, know your audience. Right. And this sounds a little like we wanted to create a pride shirt and, but we also knew that a pride shirt in tech would do pretty well. So we have a shirt that says subscribe to love, um, in like rainbow lettering and like that does really, really well. Right. So we kind of like know our audience. Some of the other things I would say tactically, if you're just starting out, you want to try to book as many meetings as possible or 
opportunities for meetings before the event. We do breakfasts typically because they're cheaper and we try to stack as many breakfasts as we can. So for instance, I'll send an invite to the area or if I have the list of the event beforehand and I'll start inviting people to breakfast, I'll fill one breakfast up. They don't know there's three breakfasts happening. I'll fill one breakfast up. Then when they say, oh yeah, I'm in, I'll be like, oh, sorry, we actually moved it to Tuesday. And then I'll fill the next breakfast up and then I'll fill the next breakfast up after that, right? So it's like those in-person like conversations are really, really powerful. And you're normally not like heavy pitching in those conversations, but you're just building some relationships. Like, you know, there's a little bit of reciprocity, like, oh yeah, tell me what you do. Or, oh, I love your product. Like, you know, X, Y, Z, right? The other thing that we did really well is like, we knew that for most of these SaaS conferences, every booth at the conference can be a customer of ours. And so what we do is on the first day, we have these welcome packages that are not branded at all. They have a nice handwritten note, but they have like things that people would want for conferences. You actually taught me about this with True Ventures, where they did baby rash cream, right? It's like stuff you want to associate with the brand. So what we did is we put together a box of face masks. Like it's funny, I have to define face masks now because we have the COVID face masks, but face masks for like pampering yourself, like a, a exfoliation path, lotion, a hand sanitizer, hydration tablets, these types of things. So we put together a little care package with a nice handwritten note. It's got a little bit of branding on it, but not too much. Um, and those get distributed the first day of every single conference, right? And then the thing we did this year is the second day, we try to do things multiple days for the, the booths because we want that us to be top of mind, right? Because then they come and they go, oh, thanks so much for that. Like, what do you guys do? Like, oh, how's the conference going, right? The next day, everyone gets an envelope with one of the keys. And then this year we put a balloon, a Profwell branded balloon at every single booth. So what's happening, and it's a little, this gets a little, not gray, but a little like overpowering is like, when you walk into the conference hall, you see these Profwell glyphs everywhere, like these logos everywhere. And you're like, what is this, right? And like, a lot of people would be like, I don't know, it's like some other brand, but then they see it when they come to our booth and they're like, oh, it's those guys, right? So again, a lot of different tactics to kind of like bring this together, but it, it all comes back to like, how do I get people to understand who we are, go find out who we are or come talk to us basically. I like it. Like I said, you've nailed it and you treat it like a funnel. And you know, I love funnels. The other thing is, is like scans. Some event people, they're like, well, I want to qualify you before I scan you. And I'm like, no, like I want to scan everyone. So when someone comes up and they say like, oh, I'm just here for the swag or whatever. We're like, fine. We're not going to like hard sell you. We'll scan it, but then we'll label you because after the conference, when it comes to follow-up, my P1s and P2s are probably going to get either one-to-one -one communication or they're going to get like a very like nice personalized outreach. My P3s, the people who are just wanting scan for the key, they're getting content. They're getting like, share this. They're getting like, here's some cool content. And they're back getting nurtured, even though they're no longer, you know, we're not obviously not at the event anymore. And so I think it's just like, scan, 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 scan. Get as many scans as possible. Don't worry about like, are they good? Just make sure they're labeled. And then afterwards, you can take a beat to, to follow up. And the follow-up is key. Like we made that mistake early on where we didn't follow up well. And it's like, people don't, want to talk to you necessarily about selling when they're at a conference. Like some people are like really ready to go. Other people, they're like, let's go figure out, you know, this afterwards. And they don't want to talk the day after the conference either because they're recovering. So the Sastra conference was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. There was a little bit of stuff Thursday, Friday, but it was all like supplementary. Our follow-up went on Sunday night. So Sunday night, that's when our personalized follow-up. For P1s, P2s, it was a three email drip. For P3s, it was a one email, but it was like offers basically uh, to give us some more signal, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense.
So yeah, sorry. I, or not, I'm not sorry. I was going to say, sorry, I'm like going off, but no, you were supposed to very top of mind. I know. I know. It's supposed just like to. That was the whole point of this. We wanted to jam on this and we just did. And like, this was gold. Like I haven't seen people think about it like the way you did and the way you do on this. So yeah. And the people I like to study are events for events people. Right. I like that. Their booths are insane. Their like swag is insane. Like, and some of it's like kitschy, right? But kitschy isn't bad. It's one of those things where it's like, it's okay if it's like a toy that they're going to throw away in my opinion. Now, there's some arguments of like if that's okay or not for sustainability, but like sure, it's okay if it's not yeah. like you're just looking for unique, but not unique and scary. Like I don't want to come up to you or like I don't want to put myself in front of this, whatever it is, but unique and like I want to find out more, even if it's like more about why do you guys have these keys or something like that. The creativity is is the key with everything else, but you gave a framework around how and why to be creative. That's where I think a lot of people get it wrong. They just try to do random stuff and try to be creative, but you're giving a purpose for it. Where, you, where you're going to be creative is get people to the booth and, and make sure they want to get there for something they care about, regardless of what your business is and what your product is. And I think a lot of folks don't understand that. And then get your people to booth doesn't mean that you have a lot of noise at your booth. You need like dozens of people to get to your booth almost at the same time, because then that creates a dozen more to come and show up and be like, what the heck's going on here? That's the pop in booth. What's going on here? What's going to happen if I go to that booth? Because all the booths usually are not popping. There's like one to three, maybe five max, but you, not even five, right? Like, and you have like 60, 70, 100, 200, however many, usually like, I think it's 50 to hundred, if I'm not mistaken, booths. So anyway, that was great. We can wrap it. I mean, you, you drop I will bombs, say the one other thing bombs. that I think is helpful. Yeah. We also are always thinking about hedging cost and you're going to spend money when you do conferences. But what we ended up doing as well, and we started this a few years ago, is every time there's a conference, we are recording podcasts. Like we're recording podcasts. And that's always like brings people over of like, what's going on over there, right? So we had this van booth in addition to our core booth at Saster. We basically put the podcast studio, which is like a table with mics and a light. We set that up and like I told Steve, our media guys, like that light is always on no matter if we're recording something. Because what ends up happening is people see it and they're like, what the heck's going on over there, right? And then that's like adds a little bit of allure. But we got like probably eight to 10 different episodes for our content per show. Like we had two shows. So we had probably like 20 episodes of content that now like feeds the beast later. And we don't even reference the conference typically in those recordings. I love that. It's fantastic. Glad it could be helpful. Dude, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get value from that if they needed to run a conference. This is the place, if they need to do events and get ROI from them, this is the place to go. This is the thing to listen to. There's nothing else you need to listen to if you want to implement your strategy. Well, we'll talk about the roadshow hopefully next week. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really excited. That's the one where we get a little gangster because it's like, basically, we did really well at conferences and we were like, how do we not have the conference? Like, how do we like do this without spending a crap ton of money? And so it's another little lesson in uh, leverage and growth. But yeah, we can do that next week, man. Anything else you got on your mind? No, we talked about it all. It's a wrap. Awesome, homie. Well, we talked about reliability. (laughs) Software reliability, SaaS products and their reliability. Yeah, and the big takeaway there is like making sure that you actually use your product. Even if you're not the Tor customer, just like go through the login experience. I do this with my onboarding, like just to see like, oh, we have these two segmented emails going to the same person. And then we talked a lot about events, like basically the ProfitWell event playbook and the framework to how to make events work really, really well and how to get your best ROI at events. Love it. Miss you. Peace. 
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Also, make sure to subscribe to and tell your friends about Tradeoffs, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions. 